It's D1079 Live. James here with you, joined by Tom Basso. Hey, Tom. Hi, Jack. This is probably the most complicated recording we've done. I'm holding a phone in one hand and another phone in the other hand. You can never have too many phones. No. <laughs> Said someone who works for Optus or something. I don't know. Um, <laughs> There's a new tagline for them. People who work in phone shops would like us to believe you're going, you're holding two phones, not enough. You need one for each finger. I mean, you're listening to a podcast in one, you're watching Netflix on another one. and Recording a doing? podcast in the other one. And then, of course, what are you going to do to look up your recipe? Recipe for <laughs> what? Podcasts. Exactly. Um, we are going to be chatting about a whole bunch of different things today. We're going to find out when you've gone way too far to try to make something broken work. I think we've all kind of been there at some point, but there's one particular instance that's just happened where it's cost a particular person very dearly, including I think maybe having a criminal record to try to make something work, even for the tune of a couple of dollars, but just took it way too far, way too far. We're going to be touching on that in about 15 minutes time. Um, also, have there ever been a time when you've just been so sure that you're going to come out on top of something and with no evidence, so unnecessarily cocky, walked into a situation and going, right, I own this situation and just literally gone down in a flaming wreck. Well, again, there's been somebody, but they've done it to a point where it has been so ridiculous, but somehow managed to redeem themselves. And again, this involved a court of law to get them there. We're going to touch on all of those things today, as well as hearing a little bit about there is a new Archbishop of Adelaide about to be installed next month and it's going to be an archbishop installation like no other in history and i'm talking even going back to you know candlelight days nothing has ever been quite like this ever and we're going to find out why very shortly tom i've been meaning to tell you i've been thinking about this all day as i was driving into work this morning uh after we had this conversation last week about the current state of sports journalism yes, and yes. the fact that it's kind of a little bit of a, a bit lean at the moment a bit yeah a bit lean i was gonna say an absolute anathema but a bit lean might be a better way of putting it because <laughs> i was hearing this thing where they were going la di la di la that's the news and now we crossed a so-and-so for sport and i'm like this is gonna be really good i can't wait to hear this because the point was what we we're saying last week is that they were doing sport and they were talking about it like they would normally talk about sport but it's with the complete absence of sport so it's the yeah. fact that there's no sport but talking about it like there is sport with all of that excitement but the guy comes in because yeah crossing to so-and-so for sport thank you very much yes it's big development for the australian cricket team this week as they decide whether or not they're going to take another pay cut because they can't play <laughs> and then we cross to so-and-so for the story it's like where are you crossing to why is this geo <laughs> graphically specific no, was he, the person? No, he was just somewhere else yeah, he had a right. room next door but he just <laughs> happened to be the person who happened to be in charge of breaking that particular story so yeah big news but anyway that was my week what have you guys been up to uh just slowly going insane i went outside so today oh okay that's that's good nice out there yeah then there's these things called trees no it's it's, it's weird man okay yeah so are you getting out much, Rachel? You really should, all of that vitamin D or E or whatever it is that the sun gives. Yeah, I went for a 20-minute walk today for the first time in I don't even know how long. I like to stand outside and photosynthesize for like 30 minutes or so once a day before retreating yeah. back into my little hermit cave and edit you, some more music. Yeah, absolutely. Tom, have you managed to get out there and photosynthesize, lean towards the sun, as Rachel puts it? <laughs> Yeah, I'm trying to do a few walks a day. I'm doing Moriata after this, so that should be fun with a, with a friend. Yeah, that, Rachel, Morialta. I've never heard that word before. <laughs> it's uh, it's, 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 it's for walkie like people. 
Yeah. Oh, okay. I see. Ne- next to Ross Trevor College. So, yeah, we'll do that oh, after this. Okay. In a gathering of two, which is okay. Try and keep outside, kick the footy, because I can't watch any footy. Yeah, just done a bit yeah. of that. How about you, James? Yeah, I mean, again, I'm not a natural person who goes outside a great deal. I think it's probably changed a lot more over the last couple of years. I just find just the mental health effects of actually going out and walking. Yeah. When you just cooped inside so much, so mm. much better. It just really helps me out. And because I do so much podcasting is kind of my main gig um, mm. and I have to write so many scripts and stuff like that. So it's a great way just to to get out and just let ideas. Like there's no worse place, as I'm sure anyone who has to write for a job, no worse place to write than sitting in front of a computer screen, willing words to appear underneath your fingers as you, as you type along. Nothing will really come out of a great deal of value unless you kind of get out and reflect and let the ideas ferment a little bit. Mm, yeah. Agreed. Yeah. yeah, that's pretty much that. But it looks like the weather's starting to get a lot more wet at the moment. So I'm I think trying to get as much sunshine in as I can. Yeah. But there's people like walking dogs everywhere. It's really packed all the parks and stuff at the moment, which yeah. is in the way, I suppose. Anyway, uh, we got tons of stuff coming up. When did you go too far to make something work? When did you spend $20 to save something that could have been easily replaced for 10? And did that ever get you in trouble with the police? Somebody did. And we're gonna talk all about that. Rachel Park and Tom Basso, uh, the guest host here on our, I think it's our fourth or fifth quarantine edition of ArchD, where we've all been in separate locations and recording from our own houses. So it's great to have you guys on. Wanted to talk a little bit, Rachel, about instances where you've gone way too far to save something that didn't require save. Okay, so I'll put it this um, instance. On the weekend, my partner and I had this massive debate about she had gone down to visit her mum's place down at Karakalinga on the weekend, right? She'd taken this whole bunch of food down there and then had come back all the way. So it's like a long way. Karakalinga's, you know what, an hour and a half drive from Adelaide, right? Yes, so I know she'd places. Gone all the way. Okay, you know, oh, good for you. But there's almost so maybe I'm just, a, you know, thinking about there may be the odd listener who doesn't know places. So I'm just pointing that out. <laughs> I was like, I don't know what that is. I appreciate that you're this kind of geographic grandmaster. (laughs) But uh, she went down to Karakalinga on the weekend, but left some food down there. So said, oh, we left some chicken down there for, for cooking with. So for a little while, we did actually debate the merits of potentially driving all the way back down to Karakalinga for the sake of about $10 worth of chicken to bring back. And even to the point where we were saying, well, it'll probably cost about $20 worth of petrol at least. Mm. Is it worth doing? Think, no, well actually by just pure economic rationality, that does not work to a whole bunch of degrees. Better stay in Adelaide and you could buy $20 worth of chicken and then you'd have twice as much. I think it's that idea that if you've actually spent money on something, you are so unwilling to let it go. Has anything ever like that ever happened to you? For the sake of keeping it brief, I had this uni assignment in, I think, my first or second year. And basically, we had to use this program called Max for Life, which for listeners who don't know, is a coding program in which you can make your own software instruments. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I had no idea how to use it. I still don't have any idea how to use it. And for my final assignment for that class, I had to hand up a whole, complete, debugged working patch 
Now, the fun part of this is where I I suppose I kind of got what I deserved. I spent two days on it and stayed up until I think the literal 30 minutes before it was due. <laughs> I was making a modulator, essentially. For besides. those who don't know, and I appreciate that most people know things, Rachel Part, but you're basically making <laughs> virtual instruments, software, yeah. musical instruments inside your computer. Okay. Yeah. Um, I cannot emphasize how much this thing didn't work. How right. absolutely buggy it was. How spaghetti-like the coding was. And then it, I had the audacity two days before to ask my lecturer for help and be like, I don't know what I've done. So yeah, I spent about two, three days trying to salvage whatever monstrosity of a patch I had come up with. So you're basically, are you saying that it would have just been way easier just to literally chuck it all in the bit and start again? Yeah, honestly. But you're like, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to seriously just keep like working on this Frankenstein's monster of, of a musical instrument here until it basically sort of comes to life and somehow lurches out the door. Yeah, I had based the idea of it on a completely different type patch. I think it was some kind of granulator. And then it was supposed to have a bunch of different effects, which somehow turned into a noise generator, which was not my intended design at all, which I then had to just turn somehow into a modulator. And it's all very confusing. And even now I don't understand what my thinking process <laughs> to this day was. I try very hard to forget it. It's very techy what it you're is. talking about. You do know this, right? You yeah. Do <laughs> That's why I'm so confused. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. There's like, some of us need to be audio nerds, Rachel Park, so that the other rest of the population don't have to be. Yeah. One day I'll yeah. go back and learn, but today's not that day and tomorrow probably isn't either. Oh, fantastic. That's good. I want an inspirational poster with that written on it. Okay, we bring this up because of a news item that happened, which totally made me think about something that I would do, especially in relation to the thing with the chicken. So a motorist caught speeding at 110 miles per hour, this is in England, told police he had traveled more than 100 miles to London to buy bread. <laughs> because it was cheaper. <laughs> Officers stopped the man at about 10.40 p.m. on Sunday. Just take for a moment just to absorb that that time and, and day. <laughs> As he was heading back to Nottingham on the M1, uh, he was with his two young children, what? And oh told gosh. police he had travelled to the capital because a loaf of bread was one pound cheaper there during the coronavirus outbreak. The driver I was, was going to say, is two this, this is lockdown, like this is in the coronavirus. Right, That's okay. right. So he was given two fixed penalty notices and reported to the court for speeding. So the distance between Nottingham and London is more than 120 miles. So yeah, so he got two fines because one was for speeding, but the other was for health protection regulations because in England of all the lockdown uh, also yeah, yeah. has a 60 pound fine. So he's seriously, this bread, I mean, how much does this loaf of bread cost him? You'd hope that he bought more than one loaf of bread, wouldn't you, for that? You would literally drive all the way to London a hundred miles just to get a one pound loaf of bread. How about if he gets there and he realizes because of the lockdown, you can only buy one. Oh man, <laughs> can you imagine? When we come back, we're gonna be chatting all about when you've walked into a situation so confident, you've got the whole thing nailed, you don't need to prepare for anything, you don't need to sort anything out, you'll walk in there as you, you will come out as emperor of everything. But then, <laughs> You don't. You don't. And sometimes it goes all the way to court when that happens. And 
next story is all about that. Tom Basso, Rachel Park, co-hosts here today in lockdown. Well, we're not really in lockdown. But we, we can go outside. Well, we're not really here today either. I wanted to talk about this. Moments when you have been completely mm. unnecessarily cocky in a situation. Tom Basso, hit it. Yeah, I didn't end up in court, which is a positive, but like, it was a bad situation. Look, I've got a friend who has a corporate box, right, at the Adelaide Oval, which I've been into once, and it was amazing. So I uh-huh. told a few of my other friends who, they were all Port supporters, went to my school together, we all go to the games together. Guys, I've got a friend, you can get us all in a corporate box, we can get free drinks, free food, cool. Had great. you checked this with your friend first? <laughs> well... James, I just thought it was... I got oh, it I see. Myself. This is where this story is going. Okay. All I right. thought go, it go. was, you know, it'll be fine. But so then, uh, then I speak to him, uh, sold the box two years ago. So I had to go ah. back to all my friends and say, no, there's no court Oof. box. I didn't even... I just thought it was done deal, but no. Nah. Yeah, they should have forgiven me. Bro. Yeah, I don't think they should either. That's really nasty. If someone That's... promised you, like, corporate box, this, that, and the other, you've already pre-ordered, like, what sort of, like, hors d'oeuvres they want to have at the same time. So, I'm hurt, and I wasn't even there. You feel cheated. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you definitely walked into that situation super cocky. I don't think it got you into, like, except maybe the um, the friendships of these people who yeah. were previously your friends. Okay, so here we go. If you actually have to settle a, a disagreement or come up with a, an arrangement about something, you've got nothing else to do. What's a classic thing that you will tend to do? Make fun of them. Wait, no, don't do that. Okay, after that. <laughs> I suppose you just got to pick like the better of what's the, the least option. worst. Yeah, what's like the oh, see, absolute. This is a really rational way of doing things. I thought this was really, really obvious. I guess not. I think clearly we play more. We have to play rock paper scissors a lot more in my house to come up with with ideas. Well, I guess that's more. It's more of an impasse situation, isn't it? And you go, but I don't think anyone ever plays rock paper scissors and goes, "I got this." No one can beat me at rock, paper, scissors. Do you have a go-to, this is rock, paper, James, scissors? Is rock, paper, scissors? Do you like have a go-to every single time? Well, see, Just in I've case got I this... ever have to play you in rock, paper, scissors? You, well, you know what? Here's the thing, all right? This is my, this is my vibe, okay? All right. And it's totally irrational, of course, because it's rock, paper, scissors, right? It's completely yeah. random. But I always think of rock as being the most powerful of the three because mm. potentially it's heavier, it's harder. Yeah. And then I go, but wait a second, paper beats rock. So I tend to go for paper. <laughs> That's me playing weird reverse psychology. Then, That's like reverse psychology on yourself. That's reverse psychology squared. Extra yes, man, it so is. But then why don't you just go one further and go, well, scissors can beat paper. And well, paper up beats against rock. the most powerful one of the three, rock. No way. Rock yeah. is the most powerful of the three. Have you not listened to anything I've just been saying? <laughs> what, do you, what do you mean? <laughs> but scissors beat paper. Way, as yeah. sure as I am, Okay. And as self-confident, <laughs> self-aware, as reflective and uh, as enlightened as you guys know me to be. There's no mm. way that I would ever believe that I was ever going to win at a game of rock, paper, scissors, that being said. I'd still go, I'm going paper because it beats the bodies of the three. However, I'm still going to lose, definitely. True. Or if I win, I'll be, literally be shocked I've won. However, Edward, Edward Mark Hooper took it to an entirely different level. This is to levels I can't believe. You won't believe this story, but it is legit. This did happen. A man who bet big in a best of three game of rock, paper, scissors has been saved from his debts, debts by the Quebec Court of Appeal. Edward Mark Hooper owed over $500,000 
after losing to Michel Primu, there you go, the French Canadian's always gonna win, in January 2011, was forced to remortgage his home to meet the cost. So just, just to make this clear, this dude bet half a billion dollars on a best of three rock, paper, scissors game. Bro! <laughs> oh. Okay. My the court though, God. has written off his debt, has said what? that it's null and what? void. And I'll, t I'll tell you why, here we go. According to Quebec law, any contract for a bet requires the wager to be based on an activity requiring only skill or bodily exertion on the part of the parties and not simply chance. So but it basically shoots say, out my idea that, that paper will beat rock always because rock's the most mighty and I'm paper But you could say that it. rock, paper, scissors is a skill if you're really good at it. Really? Sort of. <laughs> say if I'm playing you in rock, paper, scissors, my skill is that I know you're always going to do paper, so I just do scissors. That's a skill. But now really? I know that you know me, so okay. therefore I'll just be nothing but scissors all the way. Or rock. Yeah, but this is before I told you that I will do And this. that's going to mangle your scissors, boy. I'm telling you that straight. <laughs> but that's, I mean, seriously, it's... Spicy. I, I know, I know, but I'm thinking, I mean, if we were to talk about a game of true skill, Tom mm -hmm. Basso, to play, I'll definitely be yeah. up. Like, if we're talking hungry, hungry hippos, <laughs> I'm all in. Okay, so the Court of Appeal had to decide whether rock, paper, scissors was a game of luck or skill. Oh, also, furthermore, the bet must not be for an excessive amount. Oh, well, that's probably okay. I don't that's know, probably... I feel like half a million is just a little tiny bit excessive. It's just a bit extreme. Just okay. a little bit. So, uh, like a court judgment based on whether or not rock, paper, scissors was a game of school. Wouldn't you just love to be a judge, like, doing that? It would be such, like, a holiday. So I'm reading on, and this is this plays totally into your, into your wheelhouse here, Tom. Okay. So the original 2017 judgment by Justice Chantal Chatelaine ruled that rock, paper, scissors could, inverted commas, in certain Precise circumstances call upon the skill of the parties, yes. particularly in the speed of execution, the sense of observation, or the putting in place of a strategic sequence. So it's not all about then much. going. I mean, you could have this this thing going where you go rock, rock, scissors, scissors, paper, scissors, rock, and so, I mean you are basically like Bobby Fischer chess level player version of rock, paper, scissors right there. So. The judge ruled that the size mm. of the bet was too excessive. Yeah. Therefore, the contract was therefore about. So it has literally been decided in court, Tom Basso. It has upheld your premise that rock, paper, scissors is in fact a game of skill. There you go. Well, so I will see you out on the rock, paper, scissors court, <laughs> sir. This is how RHD is going to solve all their problems from now on. Exactly. That's it. That's it. Now, uh, Tom Basso and Rachel Park are the co-hosts virtually joining me today uh, on the recording. It's starting to become, it's going to be a bit weird when we all get back together again in the same room and start recording the show properly. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's going to be very strange. interesting. Getting so used to now doing all of this kind of stuff virtually as well as meeting people. I'm having like, you know, Friday night get togethers with people over Zoom. It's become so commonplace to do this stuff now. To add another thing to the mix that wouldn't ordinarily be done this way, probably doesn't seem like a big deal, but it kind of is because historically it's never been the case that anything like this has ever happened before. Case in point, Bishop Patrick O'Regan 
of the Diocese of Sale has recently been uh, announced that he's going to be the new Archbishop of Adelaide. This has all just happened, but it all happened right in the midst of all this stuff to do with COVID-19, coronavirus stuff. So the thing is, what usually happens is that there's a big kind of public event where the Archbishop is kind of, the, the word is installed. Uh, it's like an installation where everyone can kind of come together and see it all kind of happen. And it's been the case, like, well, yeah, millennia, you know, has been everywhere in the world has done the same way. But now, of course, we can't do it this way because we can't all gather together. The installation of the new Archbishop of Adelaide is going to be live streamed. So this is going to be happening on Monday, May the 25th at 10.30 a.m. The actual thing itself is going to be at St. Francis Xavier's Cathedral, so the big cathedral, Catholic cathedral in the city. Now, of course, only a few people can be there, sort of like five or six people can be there. So everyone else has to watch it all happen. One interesting fact though, the Bishop uh, Patrick O'Regan comes from the Diocese of Sale. So first question everyone asks when I'd say that, Diocese of Sale, go, where is Sale? What is that? Well, they're selling. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's really good. <laughs> that's genuinely funny. <laughs> Thank you. So... <laughs> Yes, yes, she really is. So people have often said, James, where is Sale? And I have said, I'm not entirely sure. I think it's in Victoria. So of course, I went and Googled all of this information before coming onto the show today. And I came out with some fun facts. So the oh, Diocese good. of Sale in Victoria includes Sale, but the whole Diocese of Sale covers 44,441 kilometres. It's big, man. That's a lot of sale. It <laughs> goes a lot all of the way. That's a lot. Yeah, yeah. That's, it goes all the way from the eastern suburbs of Melbourne to the New South Wales border, and includes all of Gippsland as well. So that's pretty massive, mind you. Wow. Archbishop Arch, Archdiocese of Adelaide is massive too, because it goes all the way out to um, uh, like Mount Gambier, <gasps> one hundred three thousand six hundred kilometres. That's a lot of kilometres. That's enormous. That's more that's a lot of now. Adelaide. That's a lot of Adelaide. <laughs> Oh, I could keep this joke going all day. So what they're going to do is they're going to have like a big thing afterwards, like a big sort of liturgical reception once we can do that and in time when that's all going to happen. There's only been nine Archbishops of Adelaide. So this is kind of a big thing. So I guess maybe this is an opportunity for people who wouldn't ordinarily go and see it to sort of see it too in this way too. So that'll all be happening. We're going to put the details up on the ArchD Facebook page. Just go to Facebook, look for ArchD Radio and all the details are there. Tom Basso, Rachel Park have been the co-hosts on the show today. Thanks, guys. You rule. You know it. Yeah. Yes, we do. Yes. Good. No false modesty here, and that's very important. No. Uh, we are here every Wednesday night from 9, every Saturday night from 10. Stay tuned to 107.9 Live for more of your music. We will see you in a few days. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye.